Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm a pigeon riding a motorcycle through fire up a mountain with dual-wheeled pistols. I'm Ian Alex. This week... Tyler hated it! We're talking about Mission Impossible 2. Tyler absolutely hated it. It's bad, but I don't hate it. Good night, everybody. <laughs> all right, uh, but but in all seriousness, I think we're a little more excited to talk about this movie than last that, week, right? Yeah, that's fair. Maybe for the wrong reasons. I have but things to say. I, I feel like we can we, we can both freely admit that our our last episode wasn't our finest hour of of movie discussion. <laughs> Specifically, a movie discussion. There was a lot of there was a lot of stuff in that. But yeah. uh, as far as talking about the movie, yeah, oh no, oh, no. I feel like we left out a lot of stuff that could have been talked about with the first Mission Impossible. But ultimately, I think it's a that TV speaks. Pilot. I think that speaks more to just how ultimately forgettable it is, despite having some really good stuff in it. Yep. Um, but this movie, uh, let's get into it. Mission Impossible II, directed by John Woo from 2000. This is the most late 90s, early 2000s movie that has ever existed, by the way. Yeah. Um, you were, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this scene, but you were describing one particular scene at the, uh, showing one of your, one of your friends, one particular scene at the very end yeah. of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. and I said that, that is the moment. That's the moment where we entered the two thousands. That's we, tur- we turned <laughs> over the millennium. That's, I have an argument that can be made for a different moment. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> There's have to, several, we'll have, to we'll have a whole debate. I have a whole debate. Um, yes, yes. It has a 57% critic score on Rotten It's Tomatoes. so nice to review to watch a movie and be like, man, that was terrible, and then see the reviews actually hated it. And a 43% audience Even score. better. Now, let me go back to Batman versus Superman. The audience Superman. is always right. Batman versus Superman, at least at the time of our recording, had a 64% audience score. This has a 43%. Just throwing that out there. Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about Mission Impossible II Rogue Fallout? Can we talk about titles for a second? <laughs> uh, so so, pre- so you, there, you, you seg- segued it perfectly. We had an argument here because the... It wasn't an argument, really. It was a discussion. <laughs> argument. Everything Tyler, is debate, Alex. Tyler, we don't argue here. We discuss, okay? <laughs> We're better than that. We're not the internet. Well, uh, but you... Oh, wait, where is this being uploaded to? <laughs> uh, the the International Library of Congress. Uh, we... <laughs> They've got some low standards. <laughs> Uh, it's it's right. Turns it, out we turns out we go there and they've got Mission Impossible Two in their library. That, ah, that's that exa- no, that's exactly. It. Right. Okay. It's gonna, they're going to file it right beside Mission Impossible Two. Um, uh, <laughs> this will be the definitive discussion that accompanies that film. <laughs> what an honor! Uh, so the I I uploaded the last episode as um the uh, mission impossible just no just yes. straight through episode whatever it was mission word impossible. space word yes and it came to my attention by alex pointing it out that it's actually mission colon impossible 
And now my logic for, for originally posting it in, in that format was I was like, well, there's Mission Impossible Fallout. So clearly... And Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. Exactly, like there's, there's subtitles. So clearly it's got to be... It can't be two colons, so it's got to be, you know, Mission Impossible, colon, whatever it is. It made enough right. sense to me. Right. Turns out that it's actually Mission, colon, impossible, dash, subtitle. What are you people doing? <laughs> It's the most convoluted, just like, and of course by that point the podcast had been up like a day, and so I didn't I didn't want to want to resend it to people because I've I've noticed that if I try to fix anything, it it like submits the episode again to iTunes. So you're welcome, America, for uh, saving you from the horror of getting a second notification about our podcast, but particularly yeah. for one of our more boring episodes. <laughs> Exactly, uh, but yeah, that's I just that's my piece. Mission Impossible. The, the titling is stupid. Uh, well, the worst part is the first three movies. It's like Mission right. Impossible, Mission Impossible Two, Mission Impossible Three, where there's like absolutely no continuity between films. Mm-hmm. But then you start getting into three, <laughs> Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Fall, and there starts to be continuity there, but they stop the numbering. It makes no sense. This movie this movie is in no way a sequel to the first film. That's other accurate. than Ethan is there and then Ving Graham shows up. That is it. Yes. And blows up in a van but doesn't? I, I have questions about that. Anyways, <laughs> Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about this my, movie? My best thing about this movie is Sir Anthony Hopkins. Because um, he's a good actor. And... He, I don't think he's capable of phoning it in. I'm sure there's there's got to be something. I guess we talked about Thor and he, but even Thor, he was trying to do something. It was just the direction was kind of failing him. Um, but he he never really seems to just be like, oh, I'm gonna show up and and look like I'm half asleep and then get my page. Transformers Five. He's the only one yeah. that seems to be enjoying himself. Yeah. He's he's. He, I don't know. Just, watching him on screen is like. In this movie, especially because I I feel like this movie has dialogue problems, um, I oh really yeah he uh, <laughs> you don't say he 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 takes the dialogue and turns it into human dialogue, which is impressive. Um, and it's it's yeah. Um, there there's a video out there. This has nothing to do with anything, but there's a video by it's it's one of those just right guys or uh, what's the other the film super in depth film video make it's some guy who makes like 10 minute videos on some random subject that he feels like talking about on on youtube um is it patrick h williams no 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 it's uh it's i keep gonna start talking about plot holes let's not start that discussion um i keep getting confused getting this guy confused with just right and i don't know which one actually made this video but anyway somewhere out there there's a video. Was it CinemaSins? It was not CinemaSins. The bane of my existence. <laughs> There's a video breaking down a, a speech Sir Anthony Hopkins made in uh, Westworld and how he kind of like chewed over the dialogue and like turned it into such an incredible performance. And it's it's amazing. It's really interesting to watch. Anyway. Okay. Um, he's trying. And he's in two scenes. Yeah. Uh. And that's all Tyler liked about the movie. Moving on. My, I'm very tempted to pull out the old, my worst thing is everything else. Uh, it, 
if I wanted to choose a specific thing, it's the fact that we've talked before about um, how I don't know what the last movie that this came up with was, but I've made the point before how sometimes we watch a movie and it feels like it's aliens trying to figure out how humans make movies. Uh, it's it's aliens trying to to make a movie, and that is honestly my worst thing about this movie. I think is that it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it feels like they the creators did not do not quite understand the fundamentals of filmmaking. Uh, and that goes to the dialogue, that goes to the, the kind of the way they... The dialogue has a lot to do with the acting performances, but the way that the, the actors are directed to perform as well, uh, the shots, the editing, oh lord, the editing. Um, there's just a lot of... It, it's It's bad in a very... In a very unique way, I'll give it that much. It felt like they tried. I can say that. I just do not like what they accomplished. Right. Um, so my best thing is going to be the score. Uh, I'm, I'm, pull, I'm pulling that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yours is everything else, and mine is, oh yeah, the movie's bad. I like the score. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I haven't done that in a while. Um Tom Zimmer, so of course it's going to be at least decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird how much of this score feels like a precursor to the Dark Knight trilogy. Seriously, go listen to it. There's there's several beats where I was like, <laughs> "Where's Batman?" Hans Zimmer does that a lot too. I feel like like where where he will do things that I yeah. mean, the Gladiator theme. Um, what's the theme that that sounds? I I want to say maybe Inception. Oh no no mm-hmm. no! It's it's um Pirates of the Caribbean. That, okay. The 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 Gladiator theme and, and Curse of the Black Pearl both have extremely similar right. uh, scores, which uh, is weird because he didn't actually do the score for the first Pirates of the yeah, Caribbean. Yeah, but he he helped. Yeah. The Klaus whatever his name is. He, he does he a made... lot of stuff where I'm always kind of like that's that's weird. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I like the score. Um. I'm not sure if I can attribute the the like electric guitar version of the Mission Impossible theme to him mm-hmm. or Limp Biscuit because <laughs> they did like their own version of the. I think they blended it in with a song. I haven't actually listened to it because I have no interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, I don't think I have particularly good taste in music, but I won't sink that low, America. Um, but I really like the rendition of the Mission Impossible theme in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, don't know if I can attribute that wholly to Hans Zimmer, but I like the music. Hans Zimmer is an enigma. Sometimes he does collaborations with people. I mean, you look at the the um, BBS soundtrack. The Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, 2 with Pharrell. And it's just like, what's going on? Is, I think that some of this is good, and I don't know what who to blame it on, but it, yeah. when it's bad, I don't know. The weird dude. Um, my worst thing is going to be John Woo. It's the directing. Yep. Um, I think this is a half decent script that has a lot of potential. And if you had literally any of the other directors of this franchise mm-hmm. doing this exact same script, I think the movie is like a C plus or a B minus at worst. I think this script has a lot of potential, and it's just the directing that lets it down because John Woo, it like it's it's 
totally does not match the material or the franchise. Um, and like I said before, this feels... What did I say before? Like, three and onwards, they're like in the same ballpark. Yeah, yeah. Um, one is like in a different ballpark, and then this is just like Chinese checkers or something <laughs> like that. Isn't that what I said the last something episode? Something along those lines. We were, yeah, yeah. And that's that's... That is what it feels like. It feels like we're in a completely different franchise. Like, there's no ties continuity-wise other than it's, Bing Rames and Ethan Hunt are there and they're doing things. Um, it's largely a James Bond ripoff. In yeah. The, in the style and the kind of the tone. Yeah. And I get the intent. I get Tom Cruise going, hey, for every single one of these movies, the continuity is going to be loose. And that's fine. That's not. That's not necessarily something that I need. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot, especially with a series that goes on for more than a couple movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand him going, I'm going to get these different directors that have very specific styles to do each of these movies. That way, each one's going to feel like a totally unique thing. Bit of but a at the same time, when... you, have to, you have to get somebody that matches the material. Yeah. And I was going to say, it's a bit of a problem when there's a huge misfire with the second movie in that, yeah. in that experimenting. Well, this wasn't a misfire at the time. It right. was a success. Maybe not critically, but it was a financial success. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty much all of his directing. Like, I don't think any of the action scenes are particularly good. Mm. Uh, it's just his style. It doesn't, it doesn't work at all. And maybe some people like John Woo's style. I haven't yeah. seen any of his other films. Although, I've seen bits of Face Off. The the <laughs> famous Nicholas Cage, or should I say, infamous Nicholas right, Cage, right. John Travolta film, and you know why that works more, at least based on my understanding. Haven't seen all the the movie. I've seen mm. so, specific scenes. That plot is utterly ridiculous. It is so stupid, mm-hmm. and and John Travolta and Nicholas Cage are hamming it up so hard mm-hmm. that John Woo's style fits it better. Yeah. Whereas with this. It's a little earnest. Some of the actors are trying to take it seriously. Yeah. It do- it it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I hate the action scenes. <laughs> um. Well, I hate them for the most part. You, you There's can, a couple you of just, moments you don't that have I to like. Qualify. It's fine. <laughs> um. And the special effects are bad. Like, like none of it works really in terms of that stuff. Uh. So where do you want to start? So my my kind of the first thing I my my biggest takeaway after immediately finishing this movie, which kind of was just like, at that point I was like half paying attention, like it was on, and I was watching the terrible action, and I was just kind of like, what's going on? And then it was over, and I was like, oh, oh, I guess I'm I'm done now. Cool. Yeah. Um, my biggest takeaway is that uh, to reference YouTube again, I've watched a lot of YouTube recently. I'm in a strange place. It's fine. Uh, Lindsay Ellis. You're trying to educate yourself about film. Yeah, let's go with that. In a non-traditional uh, way. <laughs> trying to do research. A new new field for this podcast, let me tell you. Uh, you look like you have thoughts. <laughs> I was trying to think of a joke and I couldn't think of anything, so let's linger on this moment longer. <laughs> uh, Lindsay Ellis made a video, uh, or has made a series of videos on Michael Bay and the Transformers series, and the fact that Michael Bay's directing is often very at odds with what the script is trying to do. There's a disconnect. And and beyond that, 
Uh, his directing sort of makes everything seem... It, it's... His directing makes you sit on edge uh, for the entire movie because it's so, like, shaky and in your face and sort of, like, it tries to make every single thing that happens seem super important that it, it mentally wears you out. Like, you have to turn off your brain because it just turns into, like, your brain is trying to use the language of film to process the movie and it cannot process the movie in that way because and it ends are you up trying to say that the Michael Bay Transformers movies are not films I mean sure <laughs> I don't think there's many people that would disagree I like that. Dark of the Moon but I can wholly agree yeah yeah it's it turns it into a thing where it's like you you are just constantly like trying to take in everything that's happening and you can't because it's just insane um this movie to me has a similar effect and not because of the in, in almost the opposite way where that movie is like it constantly expects you to be hanging on every single bit of action that happens until you just have kind of gotten caught up in this whirlwind of oh god there's so much CGI what's happening right this movie is I feel like every single conversation that happens in this movie and there is a lot of talking there's a lot of just people talking to each other there's not a ton of action um, the first half of the movie other than, like, the opening with the train and then the car chase, there's yes. not any action, really, until uh, Ethan gets into the, the building and yes. there's the, the shootout. Yes, exactly. Um, and there's just a ton of people talking to each other. And every single one of those she scenes where it's, it's shot uh, in such a way that the, the camera is very focused in on the character. It's like a, a cl super close face-up. And the character is talking very softly and yeah. is... Um, delivering their lines like every line is the super meaningful line so it's the point where it's kind of the opposite thing where i am like instead of expecting action at every single point i'm expecting exposition and important meaningful story elements at every point um at every single like clip of dialogue so that i end up like not following half of what's happening because it's it's completely just like zonked me out <laughs> um I found this extremely boring. Uh, we were I did not. This before. I know so you, you have a different opinion, but I just, like, I could not get into it. I was just like, I don't care about these characters. I feel like the dialogue is not realistic. There's a lot of moments where it feels like characters are not really responding to each other. It's just sort of, this looks good on a paper as a script or as a book, and but when we put them into people's mouths, it doesn't actually sound like real dialogue. Um... Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff like that, and and the plot ended up completely losing me at some point. I kind of was just like, yeah, there's a there's a virus thing, there's a there's a cure thing. There, somebody wants one of the things, and somebody wants the other of the things, and the lady shot herself with the virus to the cure and stuff. And, eh. Would it make you feel better if I said I didn't want you to do this? Yeah, it might. <laughs> then feel better. Yeah, I um, feel like I should. Uh, for some reason, I like that line, even though I think it's kind of terrible. I don't well, know if it's just Tom Cruise's delivery or what. I think it's the delivery, and I don't. I'm not blaming Tom Cruise for that. I'm blaming the fact that the movie is is set in such a way where. I mean, you can blame Tom Cruise. I'm sure he handpicked John Woo to direct the movie. True, true. He's Tom fair, Cruise. Fair. We can blame him in an entirely roundabout way. Uh, yeah. Um, I I just think the delivery 
or the, the, the overall direction of this movie is going for a tone that doesn't really allow for kind of like fun little bits of wordplay and stuff and, and quips yeah. and um and that's something will it be difficult very well it's not called mission Dif- mission mm-hmm. difficult it's called mission impossible oh look difficult should be a walk in the park for you anthony hopkins making some humor happen we need to talk about the weird sexism in this movie but continue yeah, yeah. um there's little hints it's weird and i i think part of of my my problem kind of stems from the 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 lack of humor the the movie takes itself way too seriously and there's something to be said about that's that's what i'm saying it, it's it's it is pretty earnest mhm mm-hmm. um and there's something and that's why it doesn't match john woo's just uber ridiculous yeah. style exactly and there's something to be said for using humor to ground the movie and make you feel like these are real characters so that you can have stakes and you can have people really get invested in consequences. Right. I mean, we just talked about Infinity War and I kind of wish this was a point we, we had brought up that that movie still has a lot of a lot of humor, especially in kind of the first half and we talked about that, but specifically the fact that that humor continues to get you invested in these characters and you continue to like these guys, you continue to think they're going to win um, Wong, you're invited to my wedding. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. And then as you kind of get through the movie, you're like, oh, these guys are getting just beat down over and over. They still, yep. There's still some, like, black humor and some, like, gallows humor kind of stuff. But it, it starts turning more into more into, uh, oh, I, these guys that I really like are getting uh, just completely <laughs> taken down. Um, and that there, hey, I think Tony. there's something to be said for that. Hey, Tony, you're not looking so good there. Uh, you're getting hit a lot. A lot of punches being thrown at your head. Yeah. That looks like blood. Uh, and that's... You can argue about how much humor there is in the MCU. Um, and we could get in, go go for days about the difference between that and the DCU and, and humor in movies and The Last Jedi. I don't know. Um, that's obviously like a massive discussion, but I think separate from kind of the, the internet discussion of humor, there is a point where, I mean, I think that the more recent Mission Impossible movies, as we're going to talk about, uh, do an excellent job of this, where the characters are... They're all awesome. Yeah, and the, the characters... They're all <laughs> awesome. Well, just the fact that the characters are endearing. They're they're fun. They, they are in bad situations, but they still kind of use humor as a coping mechanism. But you, Ethan's kind of insane, but they make yeah. constant jokes about yeah, it. Yeah, and you kind of you, you get into the feel of the movie and the tone of the movie, and you care about these characters, and you don't want them to die. And then they get into situations where you're like, oh, they could die. And the movie makes you believe it, and you care, and you, it's grounded and realistic. Um, are you sure you want to drive? You were about dead half a minute ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to to watch all of them <laughs> past this point. You're probably more excited than I am, but at this point, I'm also kind of like, I'm so ready to get out of this movie. This is one of those series where I feel like I could binge three, four, yep. five, and six. I, obviously, we don't have six yet at this point. Mm-hmm. But I feel in a day, I feel like I could watch all of them easily. Mm-hmm. I would not disagree. Might, might need to. The, might need to. If only I had the free time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my overall vibe, is that the movie takes itself too seriously, the, the acting 
the the dialogue, the direction in general is just not really there to to make me care about the plot. The plot is fine, but yeah, it's probably overly convoluted for the movie because just because of the fact that like the movie doesn't really present the information in a way that makes you get super invested in it. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a it's a pretty big misstep um in most in just about every uh, every angle. Like I said, I like the story for the most part. Uh, there's there's a couple of major things that I would adjust. Mm-hmm. But I think overall in terms of just story beats, I think oh my sorry, my my phone busted. It's fine. Um <laughs> I think the story is itself is paced pretty well. Like um just the 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 twist of of Naya injecting herself with the chimera yeah at the end of the second act leading into the third act i like that sure. and at least it's a nice uh, little ticking clock mm-hmm. now why Sean Ambrose is an idiot by the way he mm-hmm. might be one of the worst villains i've ever seen in any movie um that definitely hit lets, me at some point it... he just drops her off in the middle of australia in in the middle of sydney I know Sydney's not in the middle of Australia. Um, but he just drops her off in the middle of Sydney, and she goes... Like, she just walks away, and she's going to kill yeah, herself. Uh, it's S- like, Sydney's Ambrose, in... hey, Ambrose, did you not think that she has legs and she can walk? And she can get away from the population? You're an idiot. Sydney's <laughs> S- S- in China, right? And what do you... Oh... You took continue, my, stu- continue you took my stupid and you raised me another <laughs> stupid. Well, let's talk about the love the the, the love interest angle mm-hmm. first. Um now you're typically a staunch uh, opponent of people that say, "Oh, this this love, this yeah. romance, it happened too quick." Yeah. I and cuz What say you about this movie? So so my my general argument with movies Tell me why the the romance inspector is better than this. Oh, yeah, I can I can easily do that. Um so Oh, I can't. <laughs> the uh yeah, and that, and that's what I was going to say is we talk about this inspector, we talk about this in Age of Ultron, although I kind of reviewed my my point there after when we actually got to reviewing the movie. Um but overall, you got a movie, usually they're the usually celebrities are handsome people. And so in the the especially Tom Cruise, sure, and he sure. won't let you forget it. <laughs> in the uh, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> in it's almost like he's in a weird cult. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I feel like we're going to descend until to the point where episode six is just nothing but Scientology jokes because we haven't gone nearly far enough yet. See, we should just make a whole bunch of Scientology jokes and then you just insert that weird clip of them interviewing him about Scientology and he can't stop laughing and it's terrifying and I think they have Mission Impossible music playing in the background. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but anyways, talk about romances yeah. happening too so, quick. So in movies, generally we talk about this in, in some previous movies. Um, you, you got two because they're celebrities and they, they're 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 handsome people, and so in the universe they're, you know, it's it's a it's a handsome guy and a handsome woman, um, and so they uh, and and you know they just kind of like spend enough time together and they they get uh, in in bad situations and get out of them together and build a friendship. And then it's like, ah, let's 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 make out or you know fall in love or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. 
you know, the you, movies generally, generally with action movies and that sort of thing, you're not trying to worry that hard about the characters. If if you've got the right beats there for the characters to be like, all right, I understand how these characters uh, generally make sense together and would have developed uh, feelings, but got around to it. Um, like I, it it makes sense. It makes enough sense to me. Like Inspector, we have several scenes where. I don't think this is better than Spectre, by the way. I think, for me personally, it might be on par. Interesting. Because I I believe I dropped my my score for Spectre. I think Spectre has an abysmal script with pretty solid directing, and I think this is the exact and the inverse. Hmm. That's a way of looking at it. That Um, being said, I, I I will talk about my my changes that I would make to this story, but okay, continue. Uh, but in Inspector, we actually get multiple scenes of James Bond and the lady, name, his name I don't remember. Uh, yep, I dropped my score for Spectre to a D plus there upon you go. review. There you go. Uh, but we get the we, movie sucks. We get scenes of them interacting, and you know they they go through they go through the entire. Um, isn't there like a mountain sequence? They're going down the mountain. You mean when she gets kidnapped and he's in the airplane? Yeah. Yeah. And there's does the train sequence. Do you sequence... even remember do you even remember the movie? Not a ton of it. Um but then they like go to the, the hotel. Is it is it yeah. in the hotel where they finally like make out or whatever, or is that later? No. Yeah. The and hotel is where she says, If you come near me, I'll kill yeah. you. And see and that right there is enough for me to be okay. These people are acting rationally for the most part. They're two handsome right. people pretty people however you want to put it they they're they're together in a room with a bed and the movie is not immediately taking the chance to be like all right let's get that over with (laughs) give the audience what they want um it's like okay the characters you know they're not immediately just gonna like make out for no reason and so then like they go that would be stupid right yeah yeah. because they go through like the is the train sequence that's before, right? And then it's no. At the, the train sequence is after. Okay. Um. So in the hotel, they find what they need to be able to find the base of Spectre, and that leads them onto the train where they have the dinner sequence, where she yeah, questions yeah, why he does what he does, and then Dave Batista attacks them, and then after that, they uh, make love for some reason. Yeah. Well, that's my, that's my point. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. And then bonds in love. Sure, sure. But and I, I'm I'm not going to hold Spectre up as the, the standard of movie romance. If you take out Bond being in love with her, yeah. I'm fine with all of yeah. it. And that's what I'm saying, is that you, you get a scene where they you, you have multiple scenes of them talking, you have multiple action scenes, they get their adrenaline up, all that stuff, um, and you get scenes where they don't, they clearly don't immediately just want to make out. And so you, you've spent enough time showing, hey, these people are not just immediate, like, sex addicts, it's fine. Um, and so then when they actually I mean, Bond is a sex addict but sure, moving sure. on but when they actually get to that point it's like okay for me that's enough for this movie could right. be better it's fine um, Age of Ultron is kind of a weird situation because they start off kind of together and we missed but but again it's like okay they were they had six months there's a little bit of setup in Avengers it's fine um, probably not even as fine as Spectre in hindsight but we've talked about that at length um so that's my general philosophies it's fine just give us a little bit of time to get used to these characters 
give the characters a little bit of time to get used to each other. And then I think the audience is generally going to be okay with, all right, now we're going to have them make out because it's an action movie, and that's apparently what we do in these. Right. Um, This movie, they're like in love immediately? Because of Naya's stupid decisions. And I don't... I'm not really clear where their relationship starts exactly, and like... So basically, it, it's like a typical dumb Bond scene, how you would expect it to go. And this is after, let's see, we've had the opening where Ambrose is playing Ethan, and they kill uh, the Russian guy, and they crash the plane. Uh-huh. Um, Random side note, and- you were talking about Dark Knight Rises, or the Dark Knight trilogy sounding like uh, Hans Zimmer score mm-hmm. stuff. This movie starts yeah. off with a plane crash, uh, because yep. the character who uh, pretends, the, the, the villain pretends to be one thing, but is another person instead. Um and then uh, could you imagine how much better this movie would be if Tom Hardy played Sean Ambrose and I had that thought while I was watching it I was like at some point I was like they really this guy really is like trying to to be like oh this is I am putting in an incredible villain performance here yeah I'm you know this is gonna be a standard for, for movie villains yeah how many how many just like vague uninteresting white dudes litter the litter the history of cinematic villainy that people have just completely forgotten about because there are a lot and we have talked about a lot of them go to james bond there's plenty (laughs) there yeah anybody remember dominic green oh god i mean i like quantum of solace but anybody remember dominic green i sure don't yeah there you go um so we have the ridiculous opening with with Ethan climbing up the mountain. We'll have to talk about that. Um, he gets sent on his mission via a rocket that has a su- set of sunglasses in it. Uh-huh. Um, this is f- so stupid. Um, then he throws it at a camera and it explodes. Because mm-hmm. we're edgy, man. Mm-hmm. Um, then it goes to the scene where he's at the party where it just lingers so much on these girls having this, this tap dance. And then... Ethan and Naya look at each other across like the 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 dance area or whatever and it's like oh are they they're in love question mark and yeah. by the way there's some terrible green screen because they shoot it in slow motion where clearly Tom Cruise and Tandy Newton are not there mm-hmm. and they they've like inserted them in and it looks terrible and then they've got like the dresses off to the side as the girls are like twirling around and it is so clearly like a, a special effect it's terrible i see no problem um anytime there's digital trickery in this movie it's terrible <laughs> uh but then there's some there's some flirty back and forth between them as she's trying to steal the thing i like that scene um it was, it was playful i liked it um but then Ethan tracks her down because she's like, I, I don't want to work with you. You screwed me over on that job. Bye. Um, so Ethan's like, hey, I want to talk to you. And, you know, he's, he's chasing her with the car. And she's like, you, if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to catch me. And then she just hits his car. Mm-hmm. And then she keeps well, doing it. Chase... And then they spin out of control. And it's like, Naya, you're a moron. Also, that car chase is the worst. Um... It's not... A... It's not a car chase. It's like it's like they're attempted a well, car 
dance. Well, so it's fine. It's fine ish for a while where it's like okay they're they're weaving between traffic and it's a mountain road so it's kind of freaky and they're crashing funnily enough the movie GoldenEye Mm -hmm. James Bond has a similar sequence where Fomka Johnson's character is chasing after Bond and his Aston Martin Mm -hmm. and Bond's got another girl in the car and there's a lot of flirtatious banter um about him trying to impress Fomka Johnson and like it's a good scene and it's well shot and I know what's happening this is none of those things. <laughs> well, that's my thing is that then we, we get to the point where uh, the cars start spinning out of control. Yeah. And that it's goes like on that for a good 20 seconds. Well, it's because the they're slow at, motion never stops in this movie. They're this just movie locked. is two hours. It could be cut down to an hour and 15 well, like, by playing these slow motion scenes at normal speed. Yeah. And it's like there's a whole scene where Naya is literally walking across the pier to see Ambrose for the first time in in a long time. Mm-hmm. There's a, where it's like, "Oh, how's what's what's he going to do?" and like her scarf flies away and he grabs it like really quickly. Mm-hmm. That scene goes on for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's it, it's like people criticize Zack Snyder for slow motion. No, 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 no. This is slow motion gone horribly wrong. Yes. Um, but that car scene specifically, like, it is slow motion, but it's also, like, even in slow motion, they would have gone off the cliff five minutes ago. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're just spinning. It's just going well, that... along, and then the car just stops. It's like, okay, you're fine. Well, then, it like, it, it crashes, and somehow it just hangs on the edge of the cliff, mm-hmm. and he's able to just pull her up, and the car doesn't tumble over. It's mm-hmm. fine. Whatever physics in this movie do not matter in the slightest. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, what he should be like is, you're kind of a moron for doing that. I'm not going to take you on any job. And then he just pushes her off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what a smart person would do. Like, <laughs> but, but then I guess from that point on, they're in love. <laughs> Love has no logic, Alex, okay? I, I suppose that's fair. I've never been in love, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's exactly how it is. This <laughs> is exactly like Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> now I'm just imagining the bit of... Of Ambrose and Ethan flying into each other <laughs> as the motorcycles blow up. It's love. We found it. We found it. You're welcome. We have solved love. <laughs> Feed that into a computer. Just to let it to be like this is this is how that works. Yep. This movie does have the weird issue that that we've pointed out in Quantum of Solace where like they just linger on events that have nothing to do with the movie mm-hmm. like um in Quantum of Solace there's the whole bit where uh Bond is chasing the guy in Venice or wherever and it keeps cutting to the horse race and it's like what does this have to do with anything yeah. quit cutting back to that it's like that there's a whole scene where where there's like this this big event there's like um it's funny that we're bringing up Spectre. It's almost like a Day of the Dead type thing. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the event is. It's some kind of religious holiday. Um, yeah, it's like all or it's some Saint Saint something. All it's a it, it, all, no, I don't think it's all Saint Saint. It's like a celebration okay. of a saint. 
Okay. Specifically something like but that. But anyways, the, it, like they throw it in dialogue. Yes. Where where Anthony Hopkins is like, oh, they, they celebrate their saints by burning them. It shows you how much they value saints or yeah. something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, but it keeps cutting to that. And there's just this the sequence is when Ethan walks away and he's like, oh, God, I've got to send Niall on this terrible mission. I don't want to do it. And it cuts. It's on him for like 30 seconds. And in the background is just this huge yeah. fire. They keep like coming back to that as their background. And it's like, what? And it's like, what does this have to do with anything? Was this half your movie's budget? So you really want to really milk it? Supposed, is this supposed to be... Is this supposed to represent something thematically? Because I don't know what's going on. Yeah. At least Inspector... I can read a little bit into the fact that the movie starts with the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I can read into that and how that relates to the rest of what's going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Here I got nothing. It's just eye candy. But not even well, very good eye candy. And, and I was going to say also, Inspector, it makes for a great set piece. Yeah. Where this is like... And they involve it in the action. Yes. Don't turn me around on Spectre. <laughs> I hate that movie. Shouldn't have watched Mission Impossible 2, then. <laughs> I, I I dug my own grave here. Let's, let's be real. Yes. Um, but yeah, from that point on, they're in love. And then he's, like, really heartbroken that he has to send her on this mission. I'm like, I don't feel anything. <laughs> Why does this matter at all? Mm-hmm. But I think Tom Cruise and Tandy Newton are trying so very hard to sell it. And they're almost selling it just because I think they have pretty solid chemistry. I don't know. If That's they just, just didn't say anything, it'd probably be fine. Well, here's how I'm like, would oh, fix hey, it. they're just, uh, you know, they're looking at each other, and it's like, oh, I get this. This makes sense. Well, the problem, like, is, I the problem is, I the problem is they fall in love too early. Yeah. Um, and also, their dialogue but, is terrible. But, yeah, throwing that aside, um, gonna have to do that for a lot of this. <laughs> they fall in love too early, but based on the story, in terms of, I've got to send her on this mission, and they spend so much time not with each other. It's hard to and to have that emotional thing of oh god I've got to send you on this mission and I really don't want to do that. Um, just say they've got a previous relationship. Yeah. Even have your opening scene be them on a previous mission or something. Mm-hmm. Have it be like, oh she's a criminal, but sometimes she does things for these agencies, so they they throw her a bone. They don't arrest her or anything, so she continues to do whatever as long as she helps them. Have it be like that, and she's got a prior relationship with Ethan. Yep. That easily t- that that takes that takes pretty much most of that problem away. And I know that's that's kind of a lazy way of doing it in terms of we're just going to have it all be backstory. Yeah. But it's better than just not doing anything at all. Ethan never goes rogue in this movie, does he? This is the one movie where he does not go rogue. I think we've mentioned this at least four times on the podcast previously. Oh, we've mentioned um, it more than that. But it's, it, 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 it's worth mentioning. It's the only one where he, he just goes on a mission, which is what I want from spy movies. But when they do, they're terrible, apparently. Yeah. Um, well, and I think I mean if we're if we're being realistic and and not just like completely laughing at the concept of going rogue because it happens in every single spy movie. The reason it happens in every single spy movie, beyond just it's a really it makes the story more interesting, but 
it's also sort of at the central conflict of a spy where it's like okay they are they don't know who to trust they are they paranoia are, they're a weapon of the government and yeah they they don't know who to trust and therefore you want to put them into situations where they question their loyalties and question you know yeah who, that way you can have double crosses of people yes. that that are hunting them from their side but they're actually working with the bad guys and yeah. you know all that stuff yeah. Um, there's a reason. There's a reason it's done that way. Uh, this movie. This movie maybe could have used that. Like I said, I think the broad strokes of this plot work. Um, My one thing I think is that, and, and this kind of goes back to the fact that we mentioned that Ethan is not the same character in this. It feels like. Oh, um, we haven't mentioned that yet. Ethan is not the same character. Oh, I feel like we we brought that up at some point, but. Well, I think we did the last episode, not this episode. Okay. Um, well, the the Ethan from the last movie would not spend his holiday rock climbing. Yeah. Well, and that's that's just it's... well, rock climbing with no help. Yeah. Like he's free climbing because he he's an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. And that would be interesting if they actually made this a sequel to that movie, and they were like. <laughs> After that whole event happened, he's just kind of not caring he's about got a anything. Death wish. He's got a death wish. Yeah, it's not this movie. This movie's not about that. Yeah, this movie's not about anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie's about pigeons and slow motion. This movie's about fire. making Tom Cruise money. Um, the so much so that we'll steal the wardrobe from the Matrix to do it. Yes. Uh, the thing is that, like, the thing that I most the thing that I really appreciate about Tom Cruise's performance in Mission Impossible, I think I said it was my best thing, is that yes. he he's and it goes back to him being rogue, sort of, but it's also just generally he plays that character with a very unstable uh, approach. Like it, it, you, you, he's, yeah. he doesn't quite ever seem sure of himself or others. I mean, it really ties into his paranoia and and the fact that he's just generally like always on edge. Like he's constantly like repeating words, and he's he's kind of uh, yeah. mumbling and and and. Uh, well, slowly throughout the movie, he kind of gets his confidence back, I guess. Yeah, but so to speak. But it's still or, well, like well, like when he's confronting Krieger and stuff, and he he's actually like, okay, I've got control of the situation. Yeah, you know. But he's he's overall he's a he's interesting because he feels dangerous. That's that's the way the performance comes across. Yeah. Um, this performance feels a lot more like a bad James Bond movie where James Bond is just sort of on for along for the ride taking in the surroundings um yeah hooking up with random lady number 54 and yeah right. that's yeah <laughs> my thoughts exactly it's disappointing um any more thoughts about about Tandy Newton or Naya? Really? I mean, she's good, and she's uh, she's a major major ugh, character in Westworld, and she's she's also in Five Minutes of Solo, and she's pretty good, right. and she's kind of a really interesting character. And then spoilers, they kill her off, and it's like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of lame. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah, she. I don't know. It's it, and it's it's it makes me really happy to know that she got the role she got on Westworld because that's a very like I don't know I say this as a as a 
a white male, so maybe I maybe I'm not the best judge of this, but I feel like her role in Westworld is is a very empowering, sort of like feminist. Like it, this isn't exactly, and that, that's what I was saying is that I'm, movies movie has a weird that feels very veneer much like of sexism. The kind of the 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 role she was sort of born to play and always wanting to play, and I'm I'm, I'm glad she got that because I. I don't think this this didn't need any favors for it because it's yeah it's you you want to kind of get into that a little more you're well it's mostly just a couple of of bits of dialogue where um you know Ethan says she's not prepared for this and and uh she she doesn't have the training for this and Anthony Hopkins goes what to manipulate a man and sleep with him and learn all of the secrets and and then screw him over she's a woman of course she's had training mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah. And, I forgot about and that. then there are several bits where Ambrose is like, "Yeah, I'm just using her for sex. She's she's nothing. She's an object. Mm-hmm. She's a prize." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, it's the bad guy. That would be one thing." But then Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> and then Ethan, their relationship is is so surface level. It's like it's clearly because she's attractive. Yep. Like, and then this would really helped if they had a prior relationship and they really tried to build something here mm-hmm. but says just like you are a good woman i am good man i had forgotten that the ending of this is or the the ending of the second act is her injecting herself i thought i actually thought she was going to die there watching this the second time for oh really and forever and um could you imagine and and also the problem is in that scene we know naya is will be arriving before mm-hmm. they have the dramatic reveal that she's arrived because uh Luther says over he's talking to the Australian helicopter pilot who is just a waste of a character um and should not be in this and movie just a terrible accent yeah I don't believe he's he I might be wrong he might be Australian I don't think he is basically. I'm not going to judge either way <laughs> um because I don't want to I I no I'm not going to open that can of worms um but Luther says like Nia's on her way like Ethan's got to destroy the Chimera. Why would you go ahead and reveal that information? Why? I feel like it should be a, a dramatic reveal that, oh God, Ambrose has found out that she's she's working for the other team, and then she she's she's actually there in the building, mm-hmm. and that I feel like revealing that to Ethan as well as us at the same exact time would have been so much more effective. Um, but I. Assuming we actually cared about Naya, um, I th- like I said, I, I really like the reveal that you know Ambrose forces her to go and grab the the injection gun, and she injects herself, and she's like, "You can't shoot me. I'm worth thirty million pounds." Yeah, like I like all that, and how it's a ticking time bomb. And if, like I said, if they cared about each other, or, or I cared about them caring about each other, um, then I feel like that third act would have been so much more compelling. And it's just weird how this movie ends where like it's 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 a pretty violent movie and stuff and then the end is just like it, it ends like a Disney Channel movie where they're in this part they're they're in this this little um park area and like there's there's like a circus going on or something like people are just hanging about yeah um and then he says let's get lost and it ends exactly like a Bond movie would. Yep. It's very strange. Um, I like the score in that scene, though. <laughs> so there's that. I just had a revelation while trying to look up the cast of this because Brendan Gleeson 
Yes. That's Hagrid. Mad-Eye right? Moody. Oh, no, no, Mad-Eye Moody. Right, okay, okay. So is he... Wow, I just got completely confused. Domhnall Gleeson's father. Yes, I got confused between him and then Hagrid's actor being in Ocean's... Uh, a co- well, uh, Hagrid's actor is in a couple of Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. Okay. Is that what you're thinking? No, 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 I was thinking he's in Ocean's 13, isn't he? Or something like that? He's in Ocean's 12. 12, yeah, yeah. He's the Russian guy that that, that uh, yeah. Matt Damon is confused. Yeah, so I just by. got like right. completely confused because I was getting that mixed up with Mission Mission Impossible Fallout, and I was like, "Wait, did they cat like what they, he was in? Are the these movies movie. all the what, same?" What's <laughs> Very confused. They're cut from a similar mold. Um, That's fair. I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> There's two different actors, and I was was Billy Baird. Is that is that the the guy? I think so. Is it? Is it? I guess it is. Supposedly he's Australian. What do I know? Allegedly, he's Australian. I don't know. His, the, there's a couple moments where his the, his accent just sounds very stereotypical, um, which could also still be. Well, it, it feels like they're telling him, "Yeah, say mate and good day yeah. as much Bloke. as you can." Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rough. Anyway, you were saying something, but I yeah, think, basically, in, in terms of the romance stuff, we talked about this for way too long. Um, if they had just set up some backstory beforehand of, like, they knew each other beforehand and she didn't try and run him off the road in a very dumb thing that ultimately led to them falling in love for some reason, mm-hmm. um, I I think the second half would have been greatly assisted by that. Yeah. Also, Ambrose... Uh, let's let's just dive into the villains. Ambrose... They keep telling us he, he he's bloodthirsty. Like, he's he's willing to kill people. Like, they, they keep building up... Ethan, and this is actually consistent with the previous film, how Ethan likes to do things clean. He likes to go in uh, stealthily, not draw a lot of attention. He doesn't like to hurt security guards. Like he, he's do- he doesn't like to kill people, except the second half of this movie is him just shooting everyone. Um, but that's fine, because they're shooting at him. Uh, it's, it's not a weird Batman vs. Superman thing. Mm-hmm. He, he is killing people, and they're willing to say he is killing people. Uh... <laughs> Um, where was I going with that? I got sidetracked by by uh, murdering Batman. Um, Tom Cruise is in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Ambrose has has this weird bloodthirst that I don't feel is really carried across in the performance. Yeah. Um, but anyways, if we're to believe that, he would have killed Naya if she tried to leave him. Yeah. I don't buy that whole setup at all. Yeah. He's the kind of person, especially with how obsessed he is with her. I also forgot the scene where she undresses and it zooms in on his face and it's just the creepiest thing ever. Um This movie has I don't a horse harp, race. I don't want to harp on the sexism too much cuz I don't feel like that's not something I typically point out, but that's I mean, it it, it was very apparent in If this you movie. don't who will? Considering Mission Impossible 2 came out 18 years ago. <laughs> oh my god. Well, it's just weird how how much this series evolves, because then Rebecca Ferguson shows up, yep. and like you have other actresses like Paula Patton and, and um, even Michelle Monaghan, and it's like, oh, women can be good in these movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Even, even the chick in the last movie, she was fine. Mm-hmm. I mean... Kind of weird, just the translation, because like, like we said, she was kind of French... I guess, and then I don't think she was used to American movies, so that was kind of weird. But mm-hmm. anyways, 
Um, she's not just used as a, a, a sex object like she is in this. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Ambrose... I don't know how much of it is the, the writing or the directing or just Doug Ray Scott is not a very good actor. I am so glad he got screwed over and couldn't play Wolverine and, and had to do this movie. I am so glad that <laughs> happened. Now, I don't want to insult Doug Ray Scott, like, personally, because obviously... But he's yeah, just a moron. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, That's not what I was going to say. Yeah. Based on the performance I've seen in this movie, I don't think he's a good actor. <laughs> sure, sure. He's kind of terrible. Which is not a great standard. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, if you showed someone this movie, and they had never seen another movie in their life, and you said, that man Tom Cruise right there, he is the greatest actor of our generation they'd be like yeah what who what's going on <laughs> yeah well it's just weird because they build Ambrose so much up as oh he's supposed to be like Ethan's opposite like his mirror mm-hmm. but they don't really build it up I, I'm I'm adding more to it than the film did but, but it's like oh he's also he's IMF but he went rogue and he actually stayed rogue um um and and it's like oh you got these these two competing sides, and they're cut from the same cloth. They do nothing with it. Nope. And it's like Doug Ray Scott has no charisma. He's just kind of weird. I don't know what's happening. And then he gets shot, and he's dumb, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Thoughts. <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the the heist quote-unquote scene from the the lab it's dumb it's shot badly there's a lot of glass there's flying terrible around. special effect where tom special effect where tom cruise flies through the yeah. the ceiling as it like unfolds or whatever and, like there's a and, thing where the you, there's a whole like thing that's supposed to build suspense where the thing's coming up through the ceiling and i don't think the physics yeah. really makes sense in terms of like the box fitting through the vent by the point i don't that, know whatever um, I have more problems with Tom Cruise walking in slow motion when clearly there's a timetable. It's like, dude, speed this up. <laughs> you got it. You need to destroy the Chimera. Just destroy it. Yeah. Destroy it and be on your way. Yeah. Um, it's like The Last Jedi when Finn and Rose are at that casino and they just stop to look at horses. Sure. It's exactly like it, Tyler. And don't you forget it's also it. also like the Fly episode of Breaking Bad, also directed by that hack Ryan Johnson, where they just sit around in a room for the entire episode and nothing happens. At least in those instances, characters talk. There are people who, like, and show there up. Ca- there was and... character building. And this is just Tom Cruise walking in slow motion. There are people who probably just, like... Maybe maybe out of nowhere, just happen upon our podcast and listen to one episode and listen to us like in all these like double triple layers of sarcasm that we have about these various like pop culture things. And they're just like, oh, these guys hate Breaking Bad. What's going on? And like, <laughs> we we may have built up too much content. Do they love or hate Last Jedi? <laughs> yeah. I can't tell anymore. Uh, yeah. Oh, but they they hate Batman or Superman. <laughs> that I can tell. It's very clear. Uh, or is it? Uh, <laughs> um, but see, I tried to do it in an indirect way where you couldn't really tell what was happening in the film. This is a this is a podcast that we're we're talking about, not a. See, because Batman. <laughs> so let me tell you about Batman. Batman's this this guy. His parents were killed when he was a young boy. Uh, so 
And then he murdered people the rest of his life. It was kind of <laughs> weird. God. Uh, Even after he had his character arc and his defining moment where he spared Superman because their mothers had the same name, then he just kept murdering people. And then he murdered aliens. And then he talked about having a nice round table and then nobody showed up to play. Justice, Justice League 2, the script was just Batman sitting at his table just like talking to Alfred and being like, hey, you think they're, uh, they're going to show up? He's like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, Master Wayne. He's like, it's the, it's the the buffalo dip. Is that is it, is it ready? And he's like, yep, yeah, it's it's right here. It's sitting in the in, in the oven so that it doesn't get cold. He's like, all right, awesome. When do you when do you think they'll be here? And it just goes on for two and a half hours of uh, Batman just like sitting twiddling his thumbs. So Sean Ambrose, yes. Um, and that's what I was gonna say is I don't want to talk about this the 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 lab thing because it's boring and stupid and I don't care. Um, I want to talk about the third. I act. do think overall that that action scene is one of the better ones in the film. More so, just because it's all practical effects. There's no yeah. digital trickery. It's just gunplay. Um, it is very stupid. Just I don't know how well dual wield pistols actually work. They don't uh, in terms of real life. They don't. Um, so I'm not going to judge that too much, especially because that's kind of a staple no, of John Woo movies. That's, that's a real thing. I mean, that's why you see, like, that's why police officers and, in general, people that wield guns for a living are trained to hold both hands on the gun because it's like, yeah. you need stability to aim it. And if you have but two it, pistols, then you're going to miss a lot of shots because... But even, just, yeah. just one thing. When Tom Cruise, he's up in the thing and he's trying to destroy the Chimera, mm-hmm. Okay. And this, uh, the fake security guards run in with, with machine guns and they start trying to shoot him. The first shot we get of them is one guy, he starts like sliding on the ground uh-huh. as he's shooting at Tom Cruise. And I'm like, why are you sliding? Tom Cruise isn't <laughs> shooting back at you yet. Like, you can just shoot him like normal. Like, it's not going to make you a difference. could have stopped the movie right there. Could stop the movie right there. Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that scene anymore. Um, let's talk. Also, Tom Cruise then jumps out of the building. Don't. That shot looks okay, but then he does a flip and then releases his parachute. What is that? So the final act. He make, he flips in the air as he's jumping out of a building. Parachuting out of a building doesn't make any sense anyway because you're too low to the ground. But even st- he does a flip. So the final act. Because it looked cool. Except, spoiler alert, it doesn't. Final act. Can you explain to me why the final act takes place in that location? What is that location? (laughs) That weird little island thing that's clearly not very clean because there's pigeons just flying in and out as they please? Like, why are they meeting there? Is that Ambrose's place? Is that a place set up for, um... What's the, the, the medical company? It's his beach house. It's his... <laughs> it's very cozy. See, that's Lots where he was going to take Naya to propose to her, yes. but then, you know, he found out she was a spy, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. It's how these things go sometimes. It's how these things go. So... <sighs> I haven't been in love, and that's that's because this exact situation happened to me. <laughs> Because you don't, you aren't in love until you propose. Then, yeah, that's how that works, right? Um, (laughs) So Tom Cruise gets into this bunker, 
and they're all uh, hanging around, um, and and there's Tom Cruise like throws some like I think it, doesn't he throw some smoke bombs or something, and like that. Also, he like almost moonwalks back backwards through a doorway at some point. I'm pretty sure. Like uh, it's, I, I don't remember that. I'm, I'm fictionalizing this to some extent, but there's a point where Tom Cruise blows up a door, and he's standing in full view of the the bad guys, and he just like walks yep. through the door, like through the door frame. He's just like, "Hey, how you guys doing?" Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the shot I was going to argue with you about being the the shot that was <laughs> into the 2000s. Um, so it's after like Tom Cruise causes an explosion. Uh, Ambrose is looking through the doorway. Mm-hmm. Fire, mm-hmm. slow motion, zooms in on the doorway. A pigeon flies through. Right. Then Tom Cruise, in slow motion, walks by with a face that says, Come at me, bro. <laughs> it's the most 2000s thing I've ever seen. I forgot about the pigeon. <laughs> a pigeon flies through first because it's a John Woo movie. It was at that moment that the world knew, Oh god, this, this is not going to be a good 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, it's fascinating, uh, man. Yeah, there the the stuff with like Tom Cruise like ro- hiding around in the hallways and like kind of picking them off. It's it's fine, I guess. He does some like air kickflips that like don't he make does some Matrix stuff, and it's terrible. Any lick of sense, they're just he's just sort of like he. There's one. I swear, there's one where he like kicks the guy in midair, and then like. The guy flies backwards and he lands on his feet. Like Tom Cruise lands on his feet, and it does like the logistics yeah. just don't. He doesn't flip in midair. Yeah, and he lands. Yeah, on his feet. It's yeah. It... It's like oh hey, good job removing the wires. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, we have our one and only bit of Tom Cruise running in this movie mm-hmm. when he he like runs at the guy real quick when he's not looking and attacks him. Is the success? Oh, no, no. There's the bit where he runs away and he pulls the mask off. And it's like, oh, 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 hey, now we're getting to our car chase or whatever. It's fine. Is the success of a Mission Impossible movie directly uh, correspondent with the um, the amount of time Tom Cruise runs? We'll have to track this. Well, the problem is number five. I don't remember him running a whole lot in five. Well, I don't remember number five a whole lot. I like five. <laughs> five is what Spectre should have been. Five and six are what Spectre should have been. Sure. Darn it! Um, I'm just saying that movie. He sucks. One, we we get some we get some Tom Cruise running. He's he's urgent. He's trying to get to a. He he's got places to be, so he's doing some running. Some pretty yeah. good Tom Cruise running. You know, like six out of ten. It's not bad. Um, this one that it's just a pitiful. It's just a pitiful lack of Tom Cruise running. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awful. I do like the twist of him capturing yep. Hugh, the henchman, and like making like putting the mask on him. I don't know how <laughs> Ethan knew that he was going to be grabbing <laughs> Hugh specifically and knew to have a mask of him. I don't know how any of that works. Yeah, it's fine. Um, this is this is all probably... the mask effects continue to be good. I'll say that. Yeah, and they and this is where they add in. You know, you put the thing over your mm-hmm. your. Uh, neck and it, you can fake your vocals you can sound like another person yeah um i like that that's a nice touch that's some that's some world building mm-hmm. they're evolving the technology and they zoom in on it they focus in on it and it's a nice 
show don't tell kind of thing where uh, at the very yeah. beginning he um ambrose is talking while he still has the voice thing on and then he starts yeah. to say something and then he takes it off and then he's got his normal voice it's no longer tom yeah. cruise and so that's nice um yeah from this point the movie just loses its mind just oh yeah absolutely loses its mind uh there the action scenes make absolutely no sense Tom Cruise um, is driving around on a motorcycle, and he at one point, all right. So hear me out here. At one point, he he whips around a corner. There's a semi truck coming along the way. So for, mm-hmm. first thing, uh, there's a car following him. The car just shoots straight out into what is clearly a T intersection. For one, so yep. it's a, the car doesn't even try and turn. Just shoots right out in front. The semi truck. The moment it touches the car, the car it, and it's in slow motion, so we can see this is the moment he touches the car. The car just explodes just completely just just up in flames and so that's hilarious and stupid um but then the car after that swerves out this around the same turn and somehow beats the semi truck that just hit the car coming directly out of the turn and i don't know what they were going for or if they plotted this out but it's just like oh it's fine we just got to get the car through so let's just keep let's just keep doing that and there's a lot of stuff like that. Well, it's it's. I mean, what what moment do, do you want to point out? There's the bit where he's he's hanging off the side of the motorcycle as he's charging oh, yeah. Ambrose. I'm like, how does that work? He's, he's just hanging on the side with his feet just on the ground. Yeah, motorcycle. There's the bit where along. he's causing he's just... so much smoke from his, like his tires. <laughs> I'm like that doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite bit in in the whole sequence is is the bit where him and Ambrose they charge their motorcycles at each other, mm-hmm. and it's because it's not just because they slam into each other the the bikes crash into each other and then they blow up. <laughs> That's enough. Terrible. If you watch in the shot where they jump off the bikes and slam into each other, you see the bikes going past each other. They drive past each other. They start to in the shot, but then it cuts to oh, they exploded because they hit each other. Oh, but but it's 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 an editing nightmare. It's that, and it's also like, don't Tom Cruise and Ambrose just like hit each other? And yeah, just sort of like flop onto the ground, and it's the they most somehow just, like, propel themselves forward like five feet in the air to slam into each other, and somehow their bikes also slam into each other. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and it accomplishes nothing. Um, also, th- there's the bit where um, Ethan is able to car- cause a car to blow up just by shooting at it with a pistol. And I think he shoots it in the area where you, like, fill up the gas tank. But I'm still not sure if that's even possible. Yeah. There's also a super weird bit where he's he's driving and he approaches a fork in the road. And he starts skidding. And there's a slow motion buildup of him about to crash into this old junked car. Oh, that's right! And then he just hits it lightly <laughs> and moves on with it's his life. Like, he, and he's got this look on his face like, oh, like, shouldn't have quit my day job. Like, oh no. And then he just... And then the music goes... Dur, yeah. Dur, 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 dur. And it's like, oh, 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 that was supposed he, to be cool. He just kind of bounces into... But I don't even know what the... He just hits the car, and then he keeps driving. And, it's and like, there's an abandoned car there for some reason. <laughs> it's like, what, is, what, are we, what are we doing here, fellas? I like to think they were shooting like on location and that car was just there and they didn't know about it and they're like let's use it <laughs> how 
I don't know. We'll make something up. <laughs> Gorilla cinematography. This movie was made for a shoestring budget. You gotta believe me. <laughs> uh... So then, I like some bits of the final fight between him and Ambrose, mostly just because it's hand, you know, it's it's just fists, and it's like somebody, like he pulls a knife. It's visceral, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, However, the the part where Ambrose has the knife right in his eye, right? It's like, oh, oh yeah, all right, you gotta gotta struggle. At some point, they're, they're doing this, and they just kind of roll over. Like yeah. they're just sitting there, and it's just like, oh, 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 oh. Tom Tom Cruise is just. How is he doing this? What's happening? He's just well, taking just control. Because, like, I can I can point to another James Bond movie, Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. The guy that they um they meet at the airport or whatever. Um, he's following the guy because he's like they're gonna. He, he he's like, oh, I gotta find out what the ellipsis is. Um, and the guy corners him at the airport. He's got a knife at his back. Then Bond turns around really quickly, and it's like, oh, they're fighting over the knife. It's just because they're not—they're trying not to make a scene, so it's just they're holding on to each other as they're trying to turn the knife. And it's just like, oh God, which way is the knife going to turn? And it's like it's demonstrated very clearly in a visual way, so you can tell what's happening. <laughs> as opposed to this, where it's like, I guess they're just turning. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um. And then there's the sand gun. And then there's the sand gun. If somebody can explain the physics of this, maybe maybe Ethan planned ahead. He knew exactly how this was going to happen. And he implanted a mini explosive in the ground directly beneath where the gun lay. So that it would shoot directly upwards when he kicked it. Yes. Somebody on the set had to had to be like... This doesn't make any sense, right? Like, Tom Cruise couldn't have just done that and then been like, "Yep, yeah, sounds good. Glad I'm glad I'm investing my money in this movie." Well, part of the problem is I don't know how much of it is just we're not familiar with Asian cinema, I guess, and specifically Asian action movies, yeah. and specifically like where John Woo comes from. True, true. So maybe this this is just that style. Maybe it's like. You know, Bollywood movies have very, have a very specific style. Yeah. Like, I've seen clips from Bollywood movies. I'm sorry, I'm never going to watch a Bollywood movie. That's that's just not my style. I can't... No thanks. Um, and maybe this is something similar. Where they just have bonkers action scenes with these... With just ridiculous physics and you just kind of go with it. Um, so, but again... Uh, like, if you enjoy that... Like, clearly... Like John Woo, like he's he's done other things, so clearly somebody has still has to like this style. So his name is Nicolas Cage. Uh, his name is Nicolas Cage. But, but yeah, no, it is. Have you seen some of Nicolas Cage's performance in Face Off? Mm. You have not lived. <laughs> There's a sequence where he's dressed as a priest, and that's all I'll say. All right, I'd be interested to watch that movie. I might have to might have to look into this. Um, I'm okay with that, but. If I'm watching it with you, I'll it's, watch it. It's it's back to the uh to the point of sure this is all ridiculous and, and would be fun in another movie, but this movie does not take itself in that direction. If it was Austin Powers, yes. this it would be fun. It would be hilarious. This movie and perfect. Is, it's the second film in this franchise and we've already hit self parody. Mm-hmm. Like it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know what's worse, the the weird kicking the gun in the air or the fact that Ambrose misses the shot. Should we explain what exactly happens? Because I, I, I want to... Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, so um, Tom Cruise is is watching uh, the helicopter that is he's about well, to get he, on. He, he, he has the cure for Chimera, yes. and he's handing it off to Ving Rhames, and Ving Rhames is turning around to run it to the helicopter yes. where Naya is. Yes. Um, and Tom Cruise has a gun at his feet, and Ambrose, who he just... He, like, threw into a rock with his legs, I think? And... Yeah, didn't he, like, kick him in the head? He yeah. did, like, a little flip kick yeah. or something. And, and so... And he slammed his head into a without rock. Without checking his pulse or anything, he just was like, Oh, I guess that guy's dead now. Sounds good. Because um, Ambrose... Who cares? And then he... It's fine. And then he gets his gun out. And, um... Ambrose, Ambrose gets up and he's like, Ha! Just somehow I survived that. Ha ha! He's, he's like... Hunt, you should have killed me because he's an idiot and he should just shoot and not <laughs> say anything. Yeah. And um, and so Tom Cruise, he's got the gun, gun on his feet. He's in hit, the sand. In the sand. Half buried in the sand. And I feel like that's an important detail. In the sand. In the sand. And he kicks like into and under the gun in the sand and the gun shoots directly upwards. Just yep. straight up. Uh, There's not even an attempt to be like, oh, it kind of went in an angle, and he had to dive for yeah. it. See, that'd be that'd be a neat thing if he kicked it, went off to the side, and he he jumps, he grabs, he turns, he shoots, he he's dodging at the same time that he's grabbing the gun. That'd be a really neat thing. And, and we just solved it. God, an incompetent director would do something really really cool. Not to say that John Woo isn't a competent director in other means, but like a director who was doing something in this style of of movie and and you know who was experienced in this would be it would have been less ridiculous if the pigeon had picked up the gun <laughs> and shot Ambrose with it okay well and then shook hands with Ethan and flew away <laughs> that's the less ridiculous version of the scene yeah uh and and so Ethan Ethan like he grabs the gun does not really dodge at all then dodges then shoots then Ambrose misses or something, and then and then he shoots Ambrose. Thank you, Pigeon. You've done the world a service, and we can never repay you. Oh, it's all right, Ethan. We're all part of the same team. Dun dun. dun. talked about Hugh at all. Hugh's very weird. Who's Hugh? Uh, Ambrose's right-hand man. Who is asexual, I guess? That's kind of a detail that they just kind of mentioned briefly. Um, he's played by an actor known as Richard Roxburgh, and he's known for playing just these ridiculous over-the-top weirdos. Mm -hmm. um, he's the evil bad guy boyfriend-ish guy in Moulin Rouge. Have you seen that movie? That movie is nuts. I don't know if it's good or not, but it's nuts. <laughs> I think it's kind of terrible, but I don't actually know. Um, and then he's also Dracula in the Hugh Jackman hmm. Van Helsing movie. Oh, and he's also the bad guy in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like he ah. plays like these very—he he he is terrible at picking parts, especially when it comes to bad <laughs> he guys. He sounds like he, a winner. He's not bad in this movie. Like he's fine. 
Give him the villain role. I know, right? He's he commands the screen so much better than Doug Ray Scott. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'd he'd be a particularly good villain, but I think he'd be at least more memorable. Yeah. He comes off as mildly threatening. Doug Ray Scott's just like a wet blanket. <laughs> I do like the scene where uh um Ambrose is upset with Hugh and he like he has the cig you know, the cigar cutter. Yeah. And he cuts his finger with it. That's a pretty good scene. So, so if only Ambrose were a good villain, that scene would have re- been really awesome. What's what's the name of J- John Voight? Right, isn't the last one? Yeah. So currently, our our Mission Impossible villain power rankings are, are John Voight, and Doug Ray Scott. It's, I just want to put that on the on the table. I yep. would like to keep track of this. I'm interested. All of them will be above John Voight from here on, except for the villain from Ghost Protocol, because he has absolutely no screen presence. Okay. And he's a nothing villain. Sure. But that's fine, because that movie has other ambitions. Sounds good. Uh, I feel like we kind of just didn't talk about half of the movie, but really... This movie, ultimately, not a whole lot happens in it, which is weird. Yes. Um... Like, if you're just looking at the plot points, like, not a whole lot happens. Like, I feel like the only... Now that I'm thinking about it, the only thing that we really missed was just the angle with Brendan Gleeson. Um, how he's the owner of the the, the uh, pharmaceutical company, and he's, he's got some yeah, shady a, business going whole, on. there's a like, hostile I liked all that stuff. Thing. It's where, fine. Where... It might be a little bit obvious, um, but I, I like that stuff about how, you know, he was going to... He, he had the, the, the ultimate cure for this terrible disease and he was going to spread the disease and he was going to make a fortune off of selling the cure. Yeah. Um, and then Ambrose is just like, hey, I, I, I know what's going on. Um, give me all your money. <laughs> um, I will say, how did Ambrose come across this? Like, how did he find out about any of this? Is it just because he knows spy things? No, it's it's because he he read the script. Oh, okay. He met the director. Mm-hmm. Said he was a nice guy. Had a weird vision though. Kept telling me to act it up, and I'm like, dude, what does that even mean? <laughs> Aren't we always acting it up? Does anybody the pigeons ever are. Reel... The pigeons are? <laughs> does anybody ever reel it down? Anyways, <laughs> I have nothing else to talk about with this movie. I like the whole switcheroo where they they kidnap Brendan Gleeson to figure out what what he he's up, he's been up to, mm-hmm. and it all ends up being oh Ethan was disguised as as the Doctor, even though the Doctor was dead. There's not a real surprise there. It's like oh it's it's either going to be Ethan or Ambrose under that mask. So mm-hmm. not a whole lot of a shock there. I did like the the surprise where um. You know, it seems like, you know, Nia's trying to get away and Ethan grabs her. And ultimately that, that ends up being uh, Ambrose. I like yeah. that. Um, however, number one, he's dressed exactly like how Ethan is when he attacks the island in the third act. Uh-huh. And that was odd. Well, that's because uh, Ethan was actually Ambrose the whole time. Oh... Mm-hmm. And Anthony 
Anthony Hopkins was actually Naya the whole time. And Ving Rames was Ving Rames <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> That's accurate. Ving Rames gets nothing to do in this movie. I like the bit where he's like, oh, they shot my Versace, and then he blows up the car. I like that bit. Yep. We missed the truck! The explosion with the truck! Yeah. We missed that! <laughs> Next, talk about it. So, this is when Tom Cruise is attacking the building because he's trying to get a Camara. Mm-hmm. And Ving Rhames is in the car doing uh, technician hacker things because that's what he does in these movies. And somebody places an explosive under the car and Ving Rhames gets out just in the nick of time. And it's like... And that's never mentioned again. <laughs> like, it makes absolutely no difference. Yep. But it we makes got no to difference to the plot. Explode. Oh, boy. Um... So I kind of talked about how I, I would have fixed the romance and how I think that would have helped a lot. Hello, I'm getting a text from someone. Continue. Oh, hey, it's me. I'm talking. Um, so with regards to the villain, like I said, I really feel like they should have played it up as he's the mirror image to Ethan. This is what... E- like, going rogue to the furthest extreme, you become Ambrose. Mm-hmm. And now Ethan really has to face... And really, this would have helped if we continued from the previous film, and maybe we had Ethan being an adrenaline junkie with kind of a death wish, and you kind of feed into, oh, that's what I could become. That's the end of this path if I keep on it. And then do something! Have some kind of character arc! Mm -hmm. Something! Because you have it there. I feel like with beefing that stuff up and and really getting a charismatic actor that can really sell Ambrose in a way that Doug Ray Scott just can't I feel like Ambrose should be the best villain in this series and instead he ends up being one of the worst if not the worst Mm -hmm. I don't know I agree. Do we have anything else we want to talk about with the movie? I I I think we've covered most of it. Um, the slow motion's terrible. Most of the action scenes are average to poor. Um, and it's so weird because this he is so much a director that seems very focused on the action scenes. I mean, love them or hate them, mm-hmm. like they they seem to be the thing that he enjoys the most. Yeah. Yet this movie has so much talking in it. Yeah. Oh, I will say, positive here, the one sequence that I think on the whole is done really, really well is the horse racing scene. Yeah. Where Naya has to steal the information out of his coat. Uh, she does some sleight of hand to try and keep it out of view. Goes over, there's kind of a, a ticking clock where Hugh's following her and she's got to get it to Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, the, the Australian guy, Billy, he, he slams the door into Hugh's hand, and Hugh threatens him. I like that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Naya ends up getting it back, and she puts it in the wrong jacket pocket. Yeah. Like, that's a nice set of payoff. And then they go back to the house, and then uh, Ambrose is like, oh, Hugh, can you can you find the the, the stuff that we talked about with uh, Brendan Gleeson? Um, it's in my, my jacket. My jacket pocket, my right jacket pocket. I'm like, oh, all right. They paid off the scene. Ambrose isn't a complete fool. Yeah. 
I like that. The way they played, it kind of seems like he feels her doing it too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, like he very clearly notices when when she puts it, yeah. puts the the note back into his mm-hmm. pocket. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I I do think on the whole that scene is done very very well. Yeah, it's interesting. Unlike the rest of the movie. I think the movie's interesting. I, I don't I don't find it boring. I kept telling because I, I so I had my my um a good friend of mine here, um while we were you know while I was watching the movie um and he kept asking me so because because he he was working on other stuff and he kept asking he's like how how's the movie going and I'm like it's it's bad but it's entertaining. And then I got to the end, I was like, oh, hey, 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 you have to stop everything. You have to watch this entire third act. Mm-hmm. Specifically the moment where he kicks the gun in the air. And then after, you know, Ambrose is shot, my friend goes, I did not see that coming. I did, <laughs> I did not expect that. I could not have told you how that, that, that chain of events was going to happen. I got nothing. Um, let's go ahead and do grades. Let's let's not linger any longer. Um, you're you're probably gonna give it an F, if not an F minus. I keep getting texts on my phone, and it's probably Tyler. <laughs> F. Oh, not an F minus. I'm disappointed. No, oh, this movie doesn't deserve <laughs> an F minus. It's just bad. There's not a single thing. Quit I'm... giving me texts. I like Anthony Bye. Hopkins, just like in general. And aside from that, there's not a single thing that I'm like care about or enjoyed watching this movie i'm giving this a d plus mm-hmm. i feel like and maybe and maybe shame on me because i'm seeing just a whole lot of potential in this story and if you really put some effort into it you can make something really good out of this mm-hmm. um like i said i think it's an average story um for for a dumb late 90s early 2000s action movie with a terrible choice in director that does not match the material whatsoever mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Sure. All right. We're done. Well, that's over with. How painful was it, Tyler, on a scale of 1 to 10? Towards the end, I was like, let's just get out of here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, excited about the next one. I remember last time, you, you showed me the first four a long time ago. Not a long time yes. ago, but... Um... Well, it's funny because back... We had a, a YouTube channel yeah. that we had worked on, and we actually did we had, we had a an interesting review series where we kind of looked at films that were kind of divisive or mm-hmm. you know maybe weren't critically praised but they weren't quite hated, and we kind of examined them to see whether or not they they stood the test of time. Yeah. And we looked at Mission Impossible too. So in order to give you context for the franchise, because you hadn't really explored any of it, we watched the first four. Yeah. Three is good. Yep, I'm excited. Not, maybe not great. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it's good. It's written by Orsi and Kurtzman, so that'll be an interesting experience. I agree. It's got Simon Pegg in it, so you can't hate that. Yep. Ving Rhames is not in it, right? Yeah, he is. Okay. 
He is technically in all of them. Uh, in number four, he only shows up at the very end. Okay. Okay. So, there's that. Neat. I'm ready to get on to good movies. Well, now we get on to good and then great. So, it's it's all uphill from here until we choose our next franchise, we'll, which will inevitably be a horrible disappointment. Come back in five weeks for Fifty Shades of Grey Part 1. <laughs> part 1? <laughs> yeah, we're doing three parts about Fifty Shades of Grey. Because we can't watch Not... the whole movie in one sitting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Each episode's going to be five minutes long. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Tyler, uh, wrap it up. You, you can find us on Here Come the Sequels, com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. And you can find us on email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're also on YouTube and... and uh, iTunes, so go go search. Use those typing fingers. Yep. That's what God gave them to you for. <laughs> to look up Here Come the Sequel so that you could listen with your podcast listening ears. What I want to know is, are there, like, staunch defenders of this movie? And if so, what do they say? There is. And his name is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, I I can get it from like it's a so bad it's good type thing where it's just like they love just how ridiculous and over the top it is. Yeah, I don't um, think there's enough of that though. No, it's weird. It's a weird. Seriously, though, I I I really would want to test if if you sped up that that slow mo down to you know to a normal speed, how much of the runtime you'd lose? I am very curious. All right. Thanks for, for continuing the conversation there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Next week, we'll actually start getting positive again. I should again. also mention that friend of the podcast, oh Joseph, God. sent us a two-second review of this movie saying it sucks. Um, it seems like Has it's going to be... Has he even seen the movie, or no was idea. he just doing that to troll us? It's very possible. I, okay. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to get it off the, the audio off my phone, but I will I will attempt it. I doubt it. So, you can deal with it, Joseph. Movie's terrible, I don't care. <laughs> Fair enough. Alright, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Artist subjective. Nothing is real.